Lord, thank you so much for your presence. God, I thank you that you're with us, that you're for us. And God, I just ask right now that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you're saying, what you're doing. And Lord, I thank you um, for letting us hear what we need to hear in our own language tonight, whatever speaks to us, ministers to us. God, we want your will in our lives. And God, would you just reveal to us what it really means to have pure relationships, one day a pure marriage, and a healthy view of sex. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's the first time I've ever said that in a prayer, I think. I can hands down say, you want to hear what I can hands down say wholeheartedly, 100% conviction behind it from my experience in life so far that nothing will affect the trajectory of your life as much as figuring out relationships, marriage, and sex. I can pureheartedly say that. Nothing's going to make or break you than the relationship that you get into in life. I mean that. Christian, non-Christian, I've seen it over and over and over. Who you marry, who you decide to date, your correct view on sexuality and what to do with your body when and with who, nothing affects your life more than those things. And I mean that with all of my heart. And so it's important, and I'm glad this question was asked, what does the Bible say about it? Because listen to this, um, before we talk about what the Bible says, I, I just have to say that the Bible only holds as much weight as you let it weigh in your own life. Like if, if, who in here actually wants to do the will of God in their life? Like you would say, when it comes to doing the will of God and really tapping in what God wants for me and I trust that what his will is is better than my will, right? Is there some sort of willingness? Who would say that that would be the will in your life, to do the will of God? Yeah, so most of you raise your hand. And so for us who take that not very lightly, um, we would say that the Bible is absolute truth and everything we do or say, or try to become in our lives is gauged by what the Bible says about it. Through the rest of you, I invite you on that journey. Maybe that's not your reality yet, but I just say give it a shot. And here's a thought. So, in 1910, there was this thing called the sexual revolution. It was spurred on by this guy named Freud. Before 1910, there was, it was called sexual oppression. It was a no-go zone. No one talked about it. No one did it. And it was very much a private um, it, it was oppressed in the area of sexuality. So this guy comes out in 1910. Check this out. Can you guys handle this or you need to go? Okay, cool. Um, this guy comes out and says, you know what? Forget about this sexual oppression. He came out with this. It was called the sexual revolution. Revolution means uh, is a sudden radical transformation for the better. So he thought, you know what's going to be way better is if we just say do what feels good when you want to do it with whoever you want to do it. So that was the sexual revolution. Whatever feels good, it was kind of this anti-establishment, anti-the man, anti-morals, anti-what your mama told you. Just go ahead and do whatever you want, when you want, with who you want, and we'll all feel good, right? We'll all be happy. And so that was a good thought, maybe. I don't know. Maybe his motives were pure. I don't know. But if you look over the last 116 years and what that's resulted in, I don't know if that was a radical change for the better, and even now, we're living in the wake of this thing that says, do what you want, when you want, whatever makes you happy, whatever you feel like doing, just do that. Right? Would you guys agree that's a very common theme in society? I'm all about being happy. But let me just propose to you that through this sexual revolution that, I don't know, 
like, I doubt there would be the divorce rates there are now if it wasn't for this Freud guy, right? Because what's divorce? I don't want to be married anymore. I don't know about you, but our lives, Lene and I's lives, we've been directly affected by divorce, right? Or what about abortion? A lot of that's just people doing what they want, when they want, and that's sad to me. Like, I'm not going to stand up here and talk politics, but I think every life matters. And the second that baby's conceived, it's a human being. God has a plan for its life. And a lot of that's just a result of people doing what they want, when they want, how they want, with whoever they want. And then they don't feel like having a baby, so they're just like, out of here. Right? So do you think that was a good revolution? What about, like, people who let their feelings just run rampant? Rampant. And so now there's molestation. There's adultery, there's rape. Come on, I know these are heavy things, but these are a result of doing what you want, when you want, and how you want with whoever you want. So that was the sexual revolution. And so unfortunately, I don't know about you, but a lot of my view of relationships, marriage, and sex were formed by society. Who would agree? It's, it's fine. Who would agree that a lot of what you know about this stuff is from what you see in media, movies, television, it just kind of naturally is because we're so exposed to it. So our relationships are based off the TV shows we grew up watching, the movies we watch, the, the reality shows. That's how relationships should go. My parents were amazing, but we never really sat down and really talked about it. They displayed an amazing relationship, and I sure as heck know I didn't hear a ton of it from the church. So my life eventually started looking like the media, the movies, all through junior high and high school, I was an empty, broken, sad little kid that got a ton of validation when I had a girl around me, if I'm just honest. And I think some of you could relate. The thrill of, of the chase, right? It makes you feel validated to know that someone likes you. And when they don't like you, you feel crushed and all of your validation and all of your security rests purely on if a girl likes you, doesn't like you, if a boy texts you back, if he doesn't. That's a sad way to live, right? But it's society. And so I think it's really important the way, what if we lived biblically? I think we would avoid that long list of things that I just talked about, right? Like if we really lived as Jesus said, right? He said this in this is supposed to be for the end, but we can skip around. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, this is Paul. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You did not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Right? Our lives are not our own. It's the Holy Spirit who inhabits these bodies, and I don't want to do anything to defile the temple of the Holy Spirit. Have I? Absolutely in the worst ways. Do I still? Sometimes. Do I want to? Absolutely not. And the more I dive into relationship with Jesus and unpack his word and what that means to my life, the more I find a healthy habitation for him to dwell. Not so much myself, because I don't see myself making that great of decisions, but it's more him. Right? These things are so important. And so, I would like to think that the world would be very different if we made choices not so much on just how we feel, what makes us happy, what the moment holds, not thinking about tomorrow. Look, I'm all, I'm all about doing fun stuff, but I don't know if YOLO is the best expression to live by. Could anyone relate? Right? Because you don't only live once. You want to know why? 
Sure, there's eternity, but you know, you want to know why you don't only live once? Is because your decisions you make today affect generations and generations. As I read the Bible, there is always, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? He's the God of Joshua, his kid, and the kid after him. He's going to be the God of John Sparrow, Johnny Jr., whatever, <laughs> right? So my life is just not my own. I don't only live once. The decisions I make today affect generations and generations. So what makes me think that I can do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want? Right? Does that make sense? And so when it comes to... Um, should we just talk about dating for a minute? <laughs> dating is the worst thing to ever exist. Isn't it just, how many here, if you're honest, like have gone on an actual date? Anybody, anybody had a terrible experience on a date before? Right? Every date with my wife was incredible. Before that, not so good, which was a sign from God, Wait. You want to hear kind of a funny story? So I was 16. I had my license, and I wanted to go on an official date, pick the girl up, go to dinner, maybe see a movie, drop her off. That's like the date, right? That is like the formula for a date. So I go to this girl's house. I kind of hung out with her before a little bit, not too well, but I found out in seconds how full of herself she was. She knew I knocked on the door. She absolutely knew I was there. The bathroom was down the hall, and she hears me come in. Or I say hi to her mom, and she just starts belting out some songs, like top of her lungs, like belting it out. I, I immediately felt really uncomfortable. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so I'm like, she's really trying to prove something to me right now. And so I had a single cab Ford Ranger. Those things are tiny. And so we're driving to go to dinner, and the radio's on pretty low. I think it was like Jason Mraz. That was pretty big then. I'm yours, that song. And again, this tiny single cab truck's belting it out, just like top of her lungs, like she's on American Idol. And it was just the most uncomfortable, awkward moment in my life. Needless to say, dinner, home, right? No rose. <laughs> if you watch The Bachelor. But it is an awkward, weird, hard to navigate, so wishy-washy, like how do you feel today because you didn't feel that way yesterday. It's just so uncertain. But let me tell you, I know some of you are already dating. I know some of you have the desire to date. But can I propose to you, don't date unless you see yourself marrying that person. I'm serious. It's not something to be taken lightly. I'm serious. Especially when we get into at that point where you start dating something and now what's the world's formula for love? It's usually sex. Right? That's what the world thinks. If you love someone, then you have sex with them. Sorry if I'm saying this word too much for you. Right, so now you find yourself in a serious relationship. 
you really like this person. I'm sure they really love you. But when you really think about it, your future doesn't quite align with her future. And you really feel like, you know, I don't see a future. But you really love each other. So then now there's this pressure to make some decisions that you wouldn't normally make. But you have the added pressure of a relationship. Let me just tell you to stop now. (laughs) Stop before it even gets there. Because those decisions you make in the height of pressure, you're going to regret for the rest of your life. Right? The shame that I went through making bad decisions in relationships when I was younger, it was a hard road to walk. And I'm so thankful for the forgiveness of Jesus, the restoration of Jesus, and that he is a good father. And that when he sees me mess up, he doesn't call me a bad kid. He just knows I learned how to walk. Right? But there are decisions that you can avoid day in and day out. Every moment of your life, you can avoid situations that are only going to cause death and not life. So I just challenge you when it comes to dating, if you're going to date, wait as long as you possibly can because you probably don't have enough money to date anyways. (laughs) Right? That's real. Wait as long as you can and really consider, can you see yourself marrying that person? Because here's the deal. Emotions can hurt. So you start playing with people's emotions. They start playing with yours. Like that, that kind of stuff just is not fun. So you can cause pain to someone else. They can cause pain to you. Just don't go there. Wait a little longer. Actually pray. Have you ever thought about that? Actually praying about a relationship. And here's the deal. Why do you make good choices in dating? Because marriage is the most awesome thing you're ever going to experience in your entire life. I'm serious. I'm serious. And let me tell you, the woman or the man that God has destined for you before the foundations of the earth is worth every lonely night. I'm serious. It's worth every rejected text message. It's worth every, um, uh, what do you call it, insult from your friends that you can't get a girlfriend. I'm serious. It's worth every single moment. And when I discovered Jesus, he revealed to me this importance of becoming a man to be met with a wife. And it was worth every hard decision I made from the age of 17 on. It was worth every decision. Did I mess up? Absolutely. But it was worth it because now the best thing I've ever experienced in life is my wife. And I believe that for every single one of you, that you're going to find an amazing wife, that you're going to find an incredible husband. And like I said at the beginning, nothing affects the trajectory of your life than who you marry. I mean that. My dad's been in ministry for years. He sat down with broken relationships, broken couples, guys who felt called to lead nations and marry the wrong girl. And now they can't even get, a house in the morning, get out of the house in the morning because they're so depressed and living in regret. It's not that God can't redeem all these things. I'm just saying you guys are young enough to make the choice to not choose that life. I'm serious, it's a sad thing when we let who we want to do it with, when we want, how we feel like doing it that day, rule our lives. It's only going to end up in death. Yeah? What else we got? Oh, sex. <laughs> oh. Um, guys, that really goes back to what I, what I introed with. It's not something to be taken lightly. 
Can I go into some of the science? No? Look, guys, when you have sexual encounters with other human beings, it actually makes an imprint on your brain. It actually makes an imprint on your brain, and it's a trigger on your brain, the encounter you had with who and when. And I would advise you not to go that route. (laughs) I'm serious. Can you guys just try and get your head around that? When you have a sexual encounter with another human being, your brain is being branded with memories, feelings, attachments, and again, I know God can redeem all things because he did it in my life, but just don't go that route. Because one day, you are going to have, like me, this incredibly beautiful, spotless bride. I'm serious. And did I have regret? Absolutely. Did it make me ever more thankful for the grace of God in my life? Absolutely. But do I wish, and we've talked about it, do I wish I had a little bit more? Do I wish I would have made some harder choices for the sake of waiting for my wife? Absolutely. I do. And is it a little bit of regret? Yeah, it is for sure. And I stand here a little bit further ahead in life than you are to advise you when it comes to dating, relationships, sex, sexuality, who you are, who God says you are. Guys, make some hard choices now that are going to affect the trajectory of your life forever. And here's the deal. I want to end here that all these things are as, as teenagers. Like I said, when I was a teenager, my entire validation, my identity was found in whether a girl liked me or if she didn't like me. It wasn't so much with friends even. I was fine without having any guy friends, but for some reason I was believing this lie that the only reason that I mattered or the only way that, you know, that I was validated or had purpose on this earth is if a girl liked me. It was a sad way to live. And can I challenge you, the further you get down in life, now from what I've experienced with friends and from people who advise to me, it goes from a text message to a hookup, and then people actually get married multiple times and break families and ruin more relationships because they're just looking for the same validation they were looking for when they were 14 waiting for a text message. It doesn't go away. The issue is insecurity. Guys, if you're looking for validation in other places than God, may I challenge you to stop now and just think, what are holes that I'm filling in my life that I know God should be filling? It's the only reason we do stupid stuff. It's the only reason I still do stupid stuff because I forget how good good God is and how generous he's been to me. Once I forget that and I forget that my approval comes from God, not what someone thinks about me, not how much someone loves me, even though I appreciate that a ton, but if Lene stopped loving me tomorrow, you know, I'd be fine. It would break my heart, but really I know where my home is. Really I know where my security is found. Really I know what validates me, what makes me John Sparrow. It's that God loves me a crazy amount, more than he ever should. And when I was of no use to him, he still chose to die for me. And that he's at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding, and he has the best intentions for my life right now. And 2,000 years ago, he made a, 2000 years ago, he, he made a choice to not separate himself from you. That's an amazing opportunity. And so what I was reflecting on last week, if God chose to come near to me 
and he chose to never separate himself from me again, why would I choose to separate myself from him? And it's these things. Sin is something that separates us from God. From the beginning of time, it's our sin. It's our humanity that separates us from God. So why, this is my journey, why would I keep on sinning? Why would I keep exposing my eyes to these things? Why would I keep looking for validation in all the wrong places? Why would I fill in the blank for your own life? Why would I do that when God made a choice not to separate himself from me? Why would I choose to? Right? And if the will of God, um, if it really is your will for his will to be done, you have to make these hard choices. You have to decide in a culture that's living in the wake of the sexual revolution, you're not going to be that. You are going to be the actual sexual revolution where it's a radical change, a radical shift for good, right? We can actually be the true sexual revolution, the one that says, I'm not just going to go based on what I feel when I feel it for whoever I feel it with because I know that one day there's going to be a bride for me. There's going to be a husband for me and that God ordained that before the beginning of time and his plan for my life is better than anything I can muster up myself. And so I'm going to make some hard choices now, and I'm going to cause this revolution in my life for good so that generations and generations from now, my kids are not going to have divorced parents. My kids are not going to have a dad that walked out because he thought some other girl was hotter than his wife. That would never happen. That's impossible because there's not a girl hotter. (laughs) Right? But my kids aren't going to have that dad. They're not going to have that mom that just chose to live how they wanted to live and how they felt. And I've said this before, but I had this misconception that the day I graduated high school, my life would change. That I would somehow, the second I walked across that stage, flip my tassel, that all of a sudden inside I was going to be this different person. Well, wasn't it the rudest awakening, realizing I had the same struggles, I had the same temptations, I had the same desires. That very next moment I flipped my tassel, I was the same exact person. And so we can't be event-oriented Christians, that one day it's going to change. What we can be is willing to go on the journey with God right now, this minute, this second, right? Right? Birth is an event, but growing up is a process, right? Birth is an event, growing up is a process. And let me tell you, I don't know if you've ever been around a toddler, but they are dumb right? They can't walk good. They can't talk good. They can't even eat their own food, right? But you know what I also notice about parents? I'm not a parent yet, but have you guys noticed about this about parents? When their little kid fall o- falls over, they don't say, you are a terrible kid. Have you guys ever seen anyone do that? I hope not. Right? They just laugh, And they understand you're two, so of course you're not going to be able to walk yet. Actually, at two, you should definitely walk. (laughs) I don't have any kids yet. I didn't walk till I was seven, so shut up. (laughs) Kindergarten. No, I didn't make it to kindergarten. (laughs) Right? But when you're a kid, you can't walk good, you can't talk good, you can't eat good. But you know what kids do? They try their darndest, right, to walk. And then they want to learn. So they ask you why, why, why. They just keep asking questions and asking questions. Why? Because birth happened, and now they're on this journey of growth. And one day, 
They will be an adult. So that's the challenge for us. That's the adventure we're on. That's the journey we're on. That, yeah, we might make some mistakes, but we make choices day in and day out to grow with Jesus, to be more like him, because we know where the sexual revolution of 1910 has caused us to have a misconception of relationships, and, and now it's caused all kinds of hurt in the world and bitterness, and think of the sex trafficking now because people's emotions and feelings are just running rampant, right? There is destruction and death all over the face of the earth because in 1910, someone said, stick to the man, don't, right? Do what you want, when you want, how you want. So now we have a choice to undo all that's been done, right? Like literally, there's nothing more tangible and actionable that you can do with your life than just make some choices to pursue God in your relationships, whether it's dating, making good choices, in marriage, marrying the right person and being ready to marry that person, and then really getting God's view on sex and how important it is and how sacred it is. And it was his design in the beginning, and it wasn't something to be taken lightly between whoever you want. It's something that is an amazing, amazing privilege that married couples have. Right? All right, can I pray? Cool. Lord, we thank you so much um, that really before the foundations of the earth, you knew us and you chose us and that you have good plans for us and they're plans for us to prosper and they're not to harm us. And Lord, I just ask right now that you would reveal to us your goodness, that you would reveal to us this treasure that's found in a, a field that's worth selling everything for. It's worth making the hard choices for, this life that you freely offer. And God, I just ask where there's been confusion and insecurity and doubt in these areas, Lord, would you just bring peace? Would you bring a settling to our hearts and minds that would know you and know your intentions for us? And God, I just rebuke any sense of shame where mistakes have been made or a certain life has been lived. God, I just ask that you would remove guilt and shame and reveal your true redemption in Jesus' name. And God, we're where some people may have been far off from you, God, I thank you for drawing close right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that would consume us, and it's the only thing strong enough, strong enough to keep, them, keep us from the passions of this world. So Lord, I thank you for increasing your presence, your goodness, your joy, your salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.